taught me, and you've, if you've been a part of Victory, you've heard me say this over and over, and it bears repeating because it's just good stuff. It's their kingdom principles, three things that, that have formed my life and my children's lives, and that's trust God. Say it after me. Trust God. Work hard. Never quit. Say it together. Here we go. Trust God. Work hard. Never quit. Everybody's going to have obstacles and setbacks, and sometimes when you make plans, life happens, and things the, maybe they, the schedule doesn't quite happen in the, the time frame you thought it would. But if you trust God, work hard, and never quit, it, it will happen. You will see a dream come true. You will see a goal accomplished. You will overcome an addiction. You will get victory over an area in your life that you're struggling with. If you trust that with me, what do you do? You trust God. You work hard. You never quit. Um, I'm a little bit trepidatious this morning to follow Pastor Haley's message last Sunday. It's just, it just was amazing. And Pastor Jeremy the week before, just I'm so very proud of this team and all that they do to bring something significant to the table to feed the sheep of God. This morning is uh, number four in our Unite series. Remember, if you'll notice the graphic that's directly behind me, we have two hands that are concentrating or focusing or emphasizing one of those letters. It's the letter I. And the, the distinction between two words with the same letters, unite, which means to come together, or untie, which means to break apart, all has to do with where I am, where the I is. So I have a choice, you have a choice, whether you will have a united marriage, whether you will have a united family, and parents, if you're going to raise children that will be champions for the kingdom of God, moms and dads, husbands and wives, better get united that was one thing that Dawn and I did well. We maintained a united front before the kids to say, nope, I support your mom. No, I support your dad. No, we've made this decision. This is how our family is. I don't care what they're doing down the street. This is the agenda for our family and for our house, and we will be united. And there were some times when they didn't like it. There were some times, I'll be honest, I didn't like it, but unity always brings blessing. Come on, somebody. And I want you to know this. You, I, I want you to hear how I say this. Don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, but hear what I'm saying. You don't even have to know Jesus to put a kingdom principle into effect, and it will bring blessing into your life. That's the reason that there are believers who struggle, and there are heathen that are walking in blessing. Because they're, those heathen, they don't know the Lord yet, but they're walking in some grounded, universal kingdom truths that the Bible sets forth in Scripture, and one of them is unity. When you come together, when you get your act together, the Bible tells us there is blessing in it. Okay, somebody say amen. This morning, the title of the message is called Two Unifying Principles, and um, number four in the Unite message, I'm going to have my dear friend, our missionary from... Um, Turkey, who's home on furlough, come at the end of the message and greet you. So this morning, um, I'm going to jump right into this. Our text is from John chapter 17, verses, uh, just one verse, 23. Find a screen, find a wall, and if you would, read this out loud with me, please. Here we go. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This is directly quoted from the Lord's Prayer in John 17. It's his high priestly prayer 
where he prayed literally for you. He said, not just for these standing here, but for those who are going to be affected by your message. And that's all of us. We've come into the kingdom of God because of the extended influence of what began in the sent generation of the apostles. And we know that now as the church, we are the sent people of God. So he prays. He says, I want them to experience such a perfect unity, oneness together, that the world will recognize and know that it's you, Father, who sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Every time I read that passage, it just blows my mind. Everybody in the room, everybody knows, Christian or not, if you understand just a little bit about who Jesus is, um, that the Heavenly Father is absolutely indescribably crazy about him. And to think that Jesus would say that he loves you as much as he does me Jesus speaking, that he loves us as much as he does Jesus, absolutely blows my mind. One thing is a teaching principle that I use in my messages, and that is I, I repeat it and I do that for the sake of making sure that if you don't get anything else out of the message, that you go home with this lodged in your heart. The one thing that I'm using is not original to me. It's been used for literally centuries uh, in, the, in Christianity, and it's this common phrase that has been attributed to a number of different people in Christianity, Augustine being one, Luther another. Anyway, it says, one thing, read it with me, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Now, like you really mean it, come on, one more time. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Let me summarize that for you. There, there's a small set of things that we won't take time to argue with you about. The necessity of the blood of Jesus, his shed blood for you, his shared blood with you, the application of that to your life, Okay, it's not just that he shed his blood, but it has to be applied to the doorpost of your heart. Okay, he did his part, now you rise up in faith and do yours. We won't argue with that. That's one of just a, a few of what we call essentials of the faith that are critical to your salvation that we won't take time to argue with you about. That's fine, you don't have to believe that. But by definition, if you don't, by definition, you're not a Christian. Okay, I'm sorry, that's exclusive, but truth is exclusive. Truth brings a sword, and truth divides, and there are a whole, there's a lot of room for diversity in this massive group called the non-essentials. What you believe about the end times, whether or not you exercise spiritual gifts or you speak in tongues or you don't, whether you believe in divine healing, all of these different kinds of things, uh, prayers that God answers, whether you think that God will bless you and prosper you, or you think you ought to be poor or whatever, all those things, there's diversity in the whole body of Christ, whether you drink alcohol or not, whether you are vegan or, or vegetarian or you eat meat, Romans 14 speaks to that. He says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, what you eat or what you drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Okay, And so what we say this morning is there is a small set of essentials that we must be unified about and there's a much massively larger set of non-essentials that we can actually have grace for each other and disagree on without being disagreeable. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. In the middle of all of that, he says, recognizing essentials require unity, non-essentials gives us some liberty, some room, there's some grace, okay? Um, 
Then he says, but make sure that whatever you're doing and believing and pressing, that it's all done in, in charity, which is the Greek word agapeo, which means the God kind of love. Somebody say love. love. This morning we recognize that in essentials unity and the non-essentials liberty and all things charity. I started this series a month ago with teaching you the blessing of unity. How many of you know if you can get your act together, God will bless it? Number two, Pastor Jeremy came in, did an amazing job, and he shared that the kingdom of God is a unifying or uniting vision. We have to see the kingdom. Until we see it, we can't enter it. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Except you be born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you have to see it before you enter it, okay? And we don't enter the kingdom of God by death when we breathe our last breath in the sweet by and by. We enter the kingdom of God by the new birth. So guess what? The kingdom is now. You are part of the kingdom of God when you recognize Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, and you've been born again into the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. All right. A little bit of teaching. Now, I'm not doing away with the future kingdom, a natural, literal kingdom, not doing away with heaven. I believe all of that. The kingdom of God certainly is in heaven, but the kingdom of God is bigger than heaven. The kingdom of God is the government of God, the rule of God. And certainly God is ruling in heaven. But our call as the church is that we are sent to the world where there's chaos, where we're supposed to bring light into darkness. We're supposed to shed love where there's hatred. We're supposed to bring unity where there's division and where there's strife. We are, Jesus taught the disciples to pray, come kingdom of God, be done will of God in earth as it is. It's, it's straight up there. Somebody said one time when I was a little kid growing up, man, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to beat the devil all over the place. And somebody said, honey, he's not going to be there. You know, in order to possess the kingdom, Israel had to go in and remove the giants from the land. Come on, somebody, everybody, everybody in this room has got a giant or two in your life that's been hanging around. You got to quit feeding the sucker and you need to cut his head off. Get rid of the giants out of your life. And you can have peace in your promised land. I'm saying something already. Are y'all here this morning? Pastor Haley did such an amazing job last week with giving us a kingdom principle from Aesop's fables. You didn't know that Aesop was a kingdom man, did you? I did a message years ago, not a message, but a series called Kingdom Principles from Aesop. And used all of those. I love this. In unity there is strength. That's what you got last week. And then finally this morning we're going to jump right in. Are you ready? We're talking about unity. We've, we've given a unifying vision. We've said God will bless it. We've said there's strength that comes in unity. And so this morning we're going to wrap up this series with two unifying principles. Before we get to those two things, I want to sh share with you what unity is not. Because people have sometimes strange, non-biblical ideas about what it means to be in unity. First of all, I want you to recognize that unity is not unanimity. Unity is not unanimity. If you look at the word unanimity, you see the idea of unanimous. Folk, everybody in this room doesn't see eye to eye on every little tiny part of faith or life or culture or worldview. And that's okay. Unity does not mean that we are unanimous on every jot and tittle of our interpretation of the word. It means we're unified on the big things. And it's not even about all of those things. It's the fact that we are united around a person, something that's bigger than who we are, and his name is Jesus. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Come on. 
Unity is not unanimity. Secondly, unity is not uniformity. We don't see the same, and we don't all look the same. We don't have the same cultural background, the same heritage, the same history, the same genetic makeup, the same DNA, the same food likes, the same music preferences. All of these things that are distinctions, the kingdom of God is not about conformity and making us all identical. It's about recognizing the blessing of diversity. Look at your neighbor and say, diversity is not a bad word. As a matter of fact, diversity is this blessing of recognizing that God has made us unique and different, but yet in spite of those distinctions, we can come together and unite around a common purpose or a common goal. And when we do that, God will bless it. That common goal is the vision of the kingdom of God. And when we get our act together, God will bring us strength. Those are our messages we've preached to this point. Are you ready? Here are our two unifying principles. Here we go. Number one of these. Unite in prayer. There, there are things that will always separate our nation. I have never in my life seen such a spirit of division, which I do not believe is merely about political ideology. I believe it is a demonic influence in our nation right now to drive a wedge of hatred between extremists. And I'll just be honest with you. My politics, I'm a little bit to the right of center I, I dwell in a place of, of being on the conservative side, but I stand in a place of moderation. That doesn't mean that I'm willing to compromise key principles. I'm, I'm just recognizing that there's a whole bunch of diversity about our nation that we have to recognize that if we're going to work together, we need some statesmen, stateswomen, statespeople, whatever the appropriate term is, to be able to sit down at the table and say, you know what? I have been given the idea that everything you stand for is evil, but I want to hear your case. Give it to me. Prove me wrong. Change my mind. And when we just learn how to sit down and listen, that's the most critical thing that husbands and wives will ever learn because the, the, most, the most divisive thing that causes more divorces, the more breakups of marriage, uh, the, the one big thing is communication. My dad said to me a long time ago, he said, son, you've got one mouth and two ears. You ought to be listening twice as much as you're talking. And I think that we have to learn that. If we're going to speak to racial issues in the South, the, the, the greatest thing, come on, my white brothers and sisters, the greatest thing you can do is listen to our African-American brothers and sisters. Don't try to explain away. Don't try to justify anything. Don't be qualifying something as soon as it's brought up. Just listen and develop some empathy. Develop a heart. Develop some connection to our brothers and sisters and listen to them because they're hurting in a way that we don't understand because it's not been our life that we've lived. In the middle of all of the division. You know what the expectation is, is that everybody's going to be an extremist. They're going to be extreme right or they're going to be extreme left. And the crazy thing is, is that in the, in the day of the expectation of extremism, when everybody should push one side to the other and draw a line in the sand and, and, and draw swords, that becomes the norm. And there's nothing any more radical at that point about being an extremist on either side. What becomes the radical position is that we, somebody can stand up in the middle as a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Not the children of God, the sons of God. The mature, full-grown sons of God. It's going to take some mature people to stand up in Washington and in Little Rock and in Marion and West Memphis and to be able to, to be a peacemaker. 
to stand between opposing forces and to say, look, there is a third alternative. Yes, there's truth here. Yes, there's truth here. But there's a kingdom way. There's a way that we can come together, that we can unite, that we can call on God, especially in prayer. Do you know what the beautiful thing about prayer is? You don't have to agree theologically or, or politically or sociologically or philosophically with the person you're praying with. If both of you recognize Jesus Christ as Lord, you can stand together and go, let's pray that God will bring change and healing and revival in our nation. We can unite in prayer. One of my favorite verses is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. And the Bible says, I also tell you this. Now this is in red. How many of you know who's talking when the letters are in red? I also tell you this, if two of you. Now folk misquote this all the time and they say, if any two of you. How many of you know it's not any two because you just can't agree with anybody? If, if two of you agree, if I say agree, Agree here on earth concerning anything you ask. We're talking about the prayer of agreement. Uniting in prayer. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Let's go ahead and get one more verse. He says, for where two or three gather together as my followers, King James says, in my name, I am there among you. He says, I will be there with you. There I am in the midst of you, I think King James says. And I, I, I repeat this every time, and it's worth repeating. If you're, if you're new at victory, then this is for you. Folks that are regular around here, just bear with me. My, one of my heroes from the charismatic movement, Bob Mumford, used to say, let me give you the Mumford translation for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He says, this is the Mumford translation. He says, if two or three of you can get your act together, I'll show up just to see it. Now, how many of you know how powerfully truthful that is about the body of Christ? Because we live in a nation where there are over 200 Baptist denominations alone. Let that sink in. Somebody who disagreed and divided over, you know, the thing is they'll split churches and call it church planting. I'm not knocking Baptist folk. Thank God for Baptist folk. They've given us grace. They've given us evangelism. They've helped tell people about Jesus. But let's just tell the truth. There are over 200 different Baptist denominations. It's a divisive group. It's quiet in here this morning. How many of you hear what I'm saying? And so we can, we can divide over the little fine points, or we can recognize that we are called to something higher. That we, we are called to recognize that we will never, unity is not unanimity, we will never see eye to eye on every little jot and tittle, a little point, and that, that doesn't mean that we break ranks with this group and go across town and start another different church and even a whole different denomination. Come on, don't shout me down now. The Greek word agree is the word symphoneo. If you would put that up for me. Oh, it's already there. You guys are right on the money. Everybody say, symphoneo. It even sounds symphonic in the Greek. Symphoneo. Just need a big bass subwoofer. Symphoneo. And see it move. It's the English word symphony. And it's the idea of bringing together diverse instruments, all playing in the same key with an arrangement. The concertmaster of the symphony the first chair violinist will stand up. The, first, the first chair violinist will stand up. 
and hit a concert B flat. He's standing up there hitting this, and all the other instruments start adjusting their embouchures on the woodwind section, and the clarinets, and the saxophones, and the trumpets, and the other violins are adjusting. And if you've ever been to a symphony, about 10 minutes before they're going to play, it's about the most god awful sound you've ever heard in your life. Because they're all trying to get in tune together. How I many of you know if the symphony is going to give you something that will bless you, they have to be in agreement in their sound? If your prayers as a husband and wife are ever going to accomplish anything and get past the nose on your face, you've got to agree with what you're saying in the sound in your house. Man, I wish somebody would help me preach in this room this morning. Am I, did I show up in the wrong church today? All right. Agree. Everybody say agree. Now that doesn't mean that you see eye to eye on everything, but it means you're standing together on this essential thing. We're praying, we're seeking the face of Jesus. And we're saying, God, we stand together in agreement on this. And your word declares that it says, agree here on earth concerning anything you ask. My Father in heaven will do it. Everybody say, do it. He will do it for you. There are two things you've got to agree on. Number one, agree with what the Word says. Say that after me. Agree with what the Word says. Especially the promises of God. Promises of God. Over 8,000 of them in the Scripture. Concerning everything about your life. You will never go wrong by looking at the promise of God and speaking the promise of God and getting in agreement with the promise of God and taking it before God and saying, Father, I agree with your word in the name of Jesus. By faith, I take hold of this promise that is now mine in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, all of the promises of God are yes through Jesus Christ and they are amen to the glory of God by the church. He's already given his divine yes, his divine agreement to it and what we have to do to receive it is stand up and say the amen the so be it it's where we get in agreement with what he's already said come on somebody help me a little bit agree with what the word says agree with the promises of god and then finally if we if we do what the word says right here number one get in agreement with what the word says the promises of god number two get in agreement with someone else who agrees with the word themselves it's not any two of you it's Somebody else who knows that principle of agreement. We're standing together. I grew up watching my mom and my Aunt Lucille go, come on, let's just join hands and agree. And we would just, right where we were, stop and pray. In the name of Jesus, we stand in the prayer of agreement. Thank you that heaven and earth will move on our behalf. And I'm going to tell you, I saw prayers answered as a kid growing up that would blow some folks' minds because they stood together in agreement. The Old Testament says one can chase a thousand or put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Another place says one can bind a thousand devils, one can bind a thousand, two can bind ten thousand. It's not just it's not just additional one plus one equals double strength, but it's one plus one equals one hundred times. Literally, it's an exponential power release when two kingdom people come together and say, we're going to agree with what God says, we're going to agree with what the Word says, we're going to stand on the Word, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus, and the Father in heaven will do it for us. Come on, somebody, help me a little bit. There's an exponential power release 
I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not worried. I'm not going to buy into the fear about what's out there on, on the mainstream media, about the direction this country is going. I believe that God has this nation in His hands and He's going to stir our hearts to seek His face. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. My second unifying principle, and I'm finished. Have you got anything out of this this morning? Number two, unite in service. We're called to unite in prayer, to pray. You know, you might not like who's in the White House. You might not like who gets elected next time. Either one. Frankly, I'm going to tell you, in 2016, I felt like I didn't have a choice. And, And now it's about the same thing. You just pray and you go vote. I will never tell you who to vote for. God, God, God knows our leaders are our help. They are not our hope. Come on, our hope is in Jesus. And this nation has made it through in the past when everybody said, oh, if so-and-so gets elected, we're going to hell in a handbasket. And I've lived through eight years, two terms of a couple of times in my lifetime of folks declared that if that person gets in, man, we're going down. God, God, God's got this thing. Come on, somebody. Now... I believe in the sovereignty of God, but that, that's not something that makes me lazy. If anything, it makes me aggressive. It makes me aggressive in faith. Somebody said one time, you know, if God is sovereign, why pray? And I said, now, wait a minute. Let me ask you a question. If he's not, why pray? If he doesn't have control, what's the purpose of prayer? Your prayers are in vain, brother, if God's not sovereign. Now, when I talk about sovereignty, it, just, it doesn't mean that we lay back in a fatalism and a, and a kind of a case, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. That's not what I'm talking about. That's, I, what I'm saying is I'm saying, God, I thank you that you've got this, but I'm joining with you here in earth and I'm going to agree with you. And in Jesus' name, you're going to move and your will is going to be done in earth as it is in heaven. Come on, somebody. He has a part. We have a part. Somebody say amen. United service. One verse. I would love to take the time to get this whole chapter of Ephesians 4, but I don't have time. I'm going to give you one verse. Ephesians 4, 7 says it this way. Paul begins and he says that we're to walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called. We're to endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. He's talking about God's requirement of holiness, which is something you don't hear a lot about these days. Everybody in the room struggling through something, that's not an excuse to stay in it. When I tell you that God loves you just like you are, I also come right back with telling you, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Come on. God expects holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord, is what 1 Peter says. It says in Ephesians 4, 7, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. I do not know where that came from. I just, right at that moment, I had a flash of the Little Rascals movie. And the little black boy says, I got a pickle. Yeah, yeah. I got a pickle. Oh, yeah. Y'all, you would not, you would be, you would, it, you would lose your mind if you knew the train. Here comes the parade. How many of you know it? When you get down to pray, you think of stuff that you hadn't thought of in 25 years. How many of you know that one of the things that I have to do in bringing the gospel, and that one just happened to work, I just saw in a flash, all of a sudden, I saw that little scene in that movie, and he's excited over the gift that he's got. He's got a pickle. Yeah, 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 I got a pickle. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
If you haven't seen Little Rascals, you should see it. It's a great classic. And I'm not talking about the old black and white. I'm talking about the, the colorized new version. came out probably 20 years ago or so. Um, and I know that all the new movies are new. Those of you that are children's parents, you're well-versed in that. I remember where we owned everything that came out of Disney and could quote them to the lines. Gosh, from, from The Little Mermaid through every Mulan, all those. All right, I'm off. I'm off. So forgive me. Let me get it, pull it back in here. He says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. Everybody say, I've got a gift. He's given us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. What he's talking about is the diversity that we all have, a uniqueness, and that we are called to serve in that calling. God equips those he calls. And where he guides, he provides. That's a kingdom principle right there. The King James says it this way, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure. Everybody say measure. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. That word right there is the Greek word metron. They're going to put that up for me in three, two, there you go, man, on time. Everybody say metron. And so he says literally unto every one of us is given grace according to the metron, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Everybody has a metron in your life. There's a standard of measurement. There's a calling on your life that is unique. The thing is, you don't want to go to the grave with your music still in you. You don't want to lay down and breathe your last breath, never having accomplished what God gave you to accomplish because there's nothing in your life so fulfilling as knowing that you're walking in what God called you to do and to be. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the metron, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We see the, the English word meter, 39 inches, a little bit more than a, a yard. We, we see the word metronome. Metronome, those of you who took piano lessons, it was that little box that sat on the piano and it had that metal that had a weight on the bottom of it and it would, depending on how high the weight up was, it was, would be how fast the metronome would tick. And the metronome is measuring beats. It's measuring timing and music. And the point is, is that you can't march to the beat of my metron. I can't march to the beat of your metronome. Somebody, you know, you remember in school, the, the kid that was a little bit different, they would say, well, he marched, marches to the beat of, his, of a different drummer. He's his own drummer, sometimes they would say. And unfortunately, they said that about both of my children. <laughs> Drew was concerned that, that Henry was just so strong-willed. He, he gets excited and just shakes. And he says, Dad, what am I going to do with this kid? I said, you're going to love him and you're going to gently guide that because he's a man of destiny. <laughs> and I said, what you don't realize is that what you see him doing, I'm laughing out loud because you did the exact same thing. It's hilarious to me. My, my friend Matt's here in town, and he says, what is it like to be a grandpa? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm just thrilled to be healthy and be in a place where I can enjoy this stage of my life and see my children's children grow up and have the blessing of God on their lives. Amen. The problem comes is that when I despise my metron and I want to walk in your metron, when you look at a brother or sister in Christ and you think, man, I wish I could do what they're doing, but you dismiss and you devalue 
the unique, what does it say? Grace that has been given to you, a special gift by the generosity of Christ. The most valuable thing you can do for the kingdom of God is recognize the gifting God has given you and then serve in it. Now, I'm going to wrap this up at this point quickly. We have been gripped by a spirit of fear. It thrills my heart to see the people that are here this morning. We're starting our children's ministry back next Sunday. We're going to... Go ahead, come on. Come on. (coughs) We're going to be wise. We're, we're, We're going to maintain social distancing. Teachers will wear a mask. Those that are old enough will wear masks in the room. Uh, in the children's ministry rooms, there will be a lot of spacing. You need to get online and register your children. If the rooms are full, then they, they may build it in, not build it, but may put it into another room where it's possible. Sometimes they won't be able to do that. And so if you've not gotten registered, you may be observing the service in the lobby. But bear with us because we're looking toward and making plans right now if we can make it this long, to relaunch our second service, put it back at 9 and at 1045 by the first Sunday in January, okay? So we've got three months. If, if it works, if we have to do it before then, then we'll make whatever changes that are necessary. But please help us out because we are limited in our staff right now. And there are a lot of folks who haven't come back yet, and we do not in any way dismiss or, or poo-poo their decision in any kind of way. But I just want to say to, to you on this, I just want, to, just want you to just think a little bit. And this has got a little edge to it, so get ready. Look at everybody and say, get ready. Now, we've gotten so gripped by a spirit of fear. And yet statistics came out this week, guys, literally, in terms of those up to 18, those to 30, those to 45, those to 65, those 70 and over, in terms of mortality rates as COVID, and every one of them were 99% something except for when you get past 74 years old. By then, you've usually got some other health problems that are affecting you. So wherever you are in your stage of life, be wise, but do not let fear grip your heart that it completely immobilizes you from doing things that you need to do. Now, I want to say this to you right now. You folk are going to the grocery store because I've seen you. Y'all are going to sporting events because I've seen you. I, I, I just want to know if you, can, if you can go to a socially distance and go sit at a sporting event for an hour and a half and watch your kids play. If you can show up at whatever grocery store you use and you can walk through the aisles and you can see people and be with people and you can visit and say hello and be friendly. If you can do that on a regular basis, including all the other stuff that you do back to a normal way of life. Don't tell me you can't help us serve on a serve team for one hour on a Sunday morning. I, I don't. I'm, I, I'm not going to pressure you. I have I've made a promise to God that I would never do that as a kid, that I would never do people that way financially or about money. And I'm not going to twist your arm and make you do something you don't want to do. I'm appealing to you to say, look, if you will get up out of the fear-based me-centeredness, and start to say, God, give me grace and faith so that I can love and serve people with a mask on. Lather up those hands. Come on, we've got hand sanitizer around here and 55-gallon drums sitting around the place. We're going to do everything we can to help you in every kind of way. But, folks, do you know that the church has lived through since, the, since zero years, since 33 A.D.? Honestly, 
20 or more pandemics. We've had the Black Death, we've had the Black Plague, we've had the Spanish Flu, we've had cholera, we've had the influenza when there were not shots. We've got COVID-19 now. You know what? This too shall pass. not trying to twist anybody's arm. You do what you feel like you need to do to protect your family. But bear in mind, while you're doing all that stuff out there, somebody says, well, I have to eat. Well, I'm going to tell you, as a believer, I got, I have to worship. Those of you that are at home because of health issues, tune in whenever you can, hear the message, worship with us, worship God. We're going to be receiving the Lord's table next Sunday morning. Here at Victory, everyone who is in the house, those of you who are at home, we want you to participate with us. Get some juice ready. Get a, get a piece of bread or a cracker. Come on. Do you think God really cares about whether it's the right wafer or if it's grape juice or if it's wine or whatever? I mean, you know what? If you've got some apple juice, just pour it and receive it in the name of Jesus. Do it with us as a united body of Christ. Let's unite together next Sunday morning around the celebration of his shed and shared blood, his broken body for us. Do you love Jesus? Put your hands together this morning. Come on, somebody. Matt, come on. Grab your mic. Grab, grab, yeah. Listen, I want to pray with you. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 from the message says this. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united, everybody say, there it is right there, say united. Anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. That's where we got this concept. Anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. This morning, I don't know what your situation is circumstances you're facing everybody in the room has got a story if the body of Christ could learn anything the most critical thing you need to know is that the last thing you need to do is look at a person in a situation and get judgmental come to a conclusion and judge them does that mean you're overlooking sin but even at that we need to have some grace and mercy because if we tell the truth every one of us in the room has a story and God delivered us from something come on somebody And if it's been so long since you got delivered from that, maybe you might need to go back and look through the old photo album of your memories and remember what God did bring you from, how he delivered you from darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. Because when you live in that kind of gratitude, you're much more apt to have some mercy for some others who've not yet crossed that line of faith. So this morning, we throw our arms open wide and we welcome everybody. Our first core value at Victory is that we embrace diversity in our community. There's all kinds of issues. There are all kinds of problems sitting here in this room this morning. There are all kinds of things sitting out there watching this online right now. And you know what? There's not anything you've done so bad that make God love you any less than he does. There's nothing so great that you can do that God will love you any more than he already loves you right now. And so based on that fact, that beginning point, that springboard, his love and his mercy. Yes, he's a holy God. He demands justice and righteousness. 
And he solved that in Jesus Christ. He sent the impeccable, sinless, spotless Savior who lived a life of perfection, kept every bit of the law, and all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And he hung on the cross and he became the sin bearer for us so that he who knew no sin might be made the righteous, he might be made the sin bearer for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He took my place. He took your place. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. He paid that for you. He paid that for me. This morning it says, now he who is united to the Messiah gets a fresh start. No matter what your struggle, everybody in the room has got a story. We're here to tell you that God's mercy is new and fresh for you right now. But you have to reach out in faith. His, his blood was shed for you, but you've got to apply that to your own heart. And you do that by faith in this simple prayer, bowing hearts and bowing heads right now. No one looking around. Do you have a struggle? Or maybe if you've never crossed the line of faith, I'm going to just throw this all into one prayer this morning. If that's you and you would say, Pastor, please pray for me. No one's looking around, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you just with me right now say, Pastor, please pray for me and raise your hand. Let me see your hand. Yes. My goodness, there's probably eight or ten around the room. I see them. Thank you. Put your hand down. Father, thank you for these brothers and sisters who are moved today to reach out with one step. And Father, you run the other thousands of steps toward us. You're, you, you are with an overwhelming Father's heart of love. And right now, Jesus, we thank you for your love for us, for your sacrifice for us. We are unworthy. We are nothing without you. Lord, we thank you today that you move in this place by your Holy Spirit and you bring change and release and deliverance and victory. If you raised your hand this morning, pray these words with me. And I want the whole congregation, let's pray it together. Say this with me, please. Father, thank you for this word. Unite my heart to fear your name. I ask you, in Jesus' name, change my life. Change my heart. Forgive my sins. Jesus, save me. I trust you. Be Lord of my life. Be done will of God in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. How many of you love Jesus this morning? Come on, somebody shout yes. Come on, Matt. Guys, I want to, if you've not, if you're new, you probably have not met Matt Black. We have known each other since what, sophomore year of college? And that's, that was just a couple years ago. Yeah. <laughs> 40 years ago, Matt got saved in Evangelism Explosion, a ministry that we were doing in our church. God touched his heart. We went to school of ministry together in North Carolina. From there, got launched into ministry in Turkey. So I'm going to let Matt take it. Go, brother. We actually lived together. Um, I'm one of the few people on the planet who has had that privilege, but good morning, Victory Church. It's great to see you. It's been several years since I've been able to visit you. You've uh, changed locations, and there's just a wonderful family atmosphere, uh, God's presence here. Yes. I so appreciate 
in spite of everything that's going on in this world, you're staying faithful. And uh, it was about 23 years ago, in response to the call of God, that I moved to Turkey to begin a ministry, say, missionary in Turkey. And lots of folks have asked me, well, why in the world would you go to Turkey? Well, I'd been praying for several years up to that point, knowing that God had called me to the mission field. And he'd put a particular burden on my heart for Muslims, for the Muslim people in this world. And when I was praying for the different countries, in particular, as I was praying for the nation of Turkey, it's 99.9% Muslim, considered the largest, one of the largest unreached nations on the planet. When I first moved there in 1997, the best estimate was that there was only about five or 600 Christians among the Turks, Muslims who had come to Christ, five or 600 out of a population of a country that is now 80 million people. And just these numbers, I want you to ponder for a moment, just staggering numbers. If not for the grace of God, you and I could have been born into a context like that. And it was actually about a 10 year journey before I began to see the fulfillment of what God had called me to do. It was 10 years from the time that I got off the plane. I mean, it was year after year. It seemed like the breakthrough was not coming. A year would pass, there was no breakthrough. Another year would pass, there was no breakthrough. Year after year after year. And it was only a strong conviction of the call of God. Yes, yes, yes. And a strong conviction that it did not depend upon me. It depended on God to fulfill what he had promised. Yes. It depended on God to achieve his purpose in the ministry of the gospel among Muslims. And after about 10 years ago, after about 10 years or so passed, we began to see, me and my colleagues that I've been part of with Lighthouse Church in Izmir, Turkey, that's the biblical city of Smyrna. It's got a population of about 4 million people just in that city that's not much bigger than West Memphis, Marion, as far as size. I grew up on a chicken farm in Mount Ida in the Washtenaw Mountains. I got transplanted to a city of 4 million. And over the past 10 years or so, we've begun to see breakthrough in terms of people coming to Christ. And 10 years ago, it was a good year if we saw two or three people come to faith and get baptized. Well, I'm here to testify that Jesus is receiving the reward of his sufferings among yes. Muslims. Yes, yes. Because over the past two and a half years, in a situation, a place, a context as daunting as what I've tried to describe, just in the past two and a half years, we have seen 50 former Muslims come to Christ. Yes. 50. 
And in that span of time, we've gone from one church, we planted out three other churches, but one of those churches that we planted out had to close its doors because the leadership of that church, some close colleagues of mine, got kicked out of Turkey just like I did last year. I'm one of about 40 missionaries who have been kicked out of Turkey because of the ministry that we've been involved in. But the church continues to grow. And I want to thank you, Victory Church, because from the very beginning, because of my relationship with Pastor Michael, because of my relationship with this church 20-some years ago, you faithfully have supported me through these years and made it possible for me to do what I've done. So I've been grateful for that. And just because I've been kicked out of Turkey doesn't mean I'm off the hook because the call of God remains. I'm seeking the Lord for what the next mission field is going to be. And I'm seriously looking at the Balkan region just west of Turkey because there's hundreds of thousands of unreached Turks living in that part of the world. And when the COVID restrictions lift, I plan to head for the next mission field that God takes me to. So God bless you. Greece, Macedonia, Bulgaria, some of those areas over there in the Balkan region, Matt will be going to. Stretch your hand out. Let's pray for him right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, and our friendship that's spanned four decades, as our church has supported Matt for over two decades, we join together right now in what we heard this morning in the prayer of agreement. Thank you, Lord, that as the COVID restrictions lift, that you bring clarity in the next steps that Matt's to take. Lord, I thank you for your blessing on his life. Lord, for the, the harvest that is coming in the future because of the power that is in the gospel. Matt is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God into salvation. We thank you today that blessing is his portion. Lord, in the days ahead, Father, as you direct him in taking steps for his health, I thank you, Lord, for direction, for guidance, for protection, for healing, for wholeness. We just bless Matt. We thank you, Lord, your favors on his life. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise.